Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Louder. Innovation comes in so many forms in so many different ways. We believe this entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is covered with people innovating. We designed this podcast to highlight the innovative things those business leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, problem solvers, the real innovators are doing day in, day out. As always, this show is brought to you by my company, Louderco. We find companies' profits through artificial intelligence and better operations. Like when we helped a massive Fortune 500 company build out their AI strategy to create breakthrough new food and beverage categories. Or when we redesigned the operations of a $100 million services company to add $10 million in net profit to their bottom line. To learn more about us, head to our website, louderco.com. Be sure to download free guides and presentations like our Intro to Artificial Intelligence presentation, or see if your company's even ready for AI through our AI readiness assessment tool. We're about to get the show started. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed and left us a review. And now, enjoy our guests and enjoy the show. All right, so welcome to the Dallas Space Innovator Show presented by Louderco. I'm Andrew Louder. I'm so thankful to have our special guest for today. It's Kyle Lukianic. Kyle's president of the social innovation company, Good Returns. Good Returns helps companies create impact sustainably. They have a really unique model that I would love to dive into deeper here with Kyle as we go on throughout the show. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Andrew, especially uh, in this weird virtual environment that we're currently yeah. in. I tell you what, our world has ro- been rocked, hasn't it, by this uh, career? <laughs> <laughs> this is just one of those weeks, and I'm talking to people, and you know, the theme is this has never been done before. Whether it's what they're doing in their business, or you know being hired into a new company or leading a company. Unfortunately, in this environment, that's, um, that's quite common right now, but yeah, this is just uncharted territory and everything's yeah. pretty much unprecedented. So, um, yeah. you know, at, at our company, we're, we're working hard to adjust as best we can, um, and just kind of take a look at what are the needs that we can uniquely help serve. So, yeah, I think everybody's just kind of um, kind of chaos management mode. It's just like a historical marker for people listening. And today's Friday, March 20th. And so we are a good a week and a half, two weeks into a lot of the, the turmoil. Um, just yesterday or the day before, California just went in complete shutdown mode. Um, Texas announced yesterday their... their um, what is it? Would, can we call it a shutdown? I mean, it's basically like no more groups of 10 or larger. You, know, uh-huh. can't, you can't be doing that. It must be only kind of essential uh, movement around town, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, the working from home thing has become a, a big deal now, working remotely. I think as I've been talking to CEOs, um, it's kind of walking them through this action plan we devised, but essentially it's, you know, what's the cash flow forecast? You know, what are some of the decisions, hard decisions that need to be made looking at supply chain customers? I mean, it's, it's leadership teams just meeting all, you know, all the time in war room situations, the president and his team talking every week. It's, it's been crazy. Absolutely. And that, you know, every day, every day. Yeah. I think the, you know, kind of the the focus of this podcast being on innovation i think you know never before has it been as important um to be thinking about these issues from an innovative perspective and coming up with solutions to to problems that really haven't existed before now so in an uh, extremely digital age and you have you know a different economic system uh today than yeah. in in past pandemics and things like that and so it requires kind of a new set of solutions so having the right innovators in those conversations is really important yeah you're absolutely right you know we were kind of we were joking before the the recording of what's the silver lining in all this and you know in tough times like this innovators come out right they new Mm -hmm. 
there's new problems that require solving and you're right. I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see, <laughs> you know, I, I, I tend to think I have an innovative mindset, but not, not like some of these, you know, big time innovators, movers and shakers that are really driving the world. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what really comes out of this um, and, you know, what new innovations are ruling us going forward. But nonetheless, right. it, maybe we can just dive right into the show. Uh, you know, usually uh, I'll start off with, um, you know, the guests giving just a good you know, one to two minute bio. You know, tell us a bit about yourself, some of your, you know, key accomplishments, you know, what you're doing out there in the Dallas area. And, you know, we'd love to hear hear uh, what you have to say there, Kyle. We'll get started. Absolutely. Um, well, to, to start, I've been in Dallas for about 12 years now. Grew up on the East Coast up in New Hampshire, lived in Chicago for a little bit, and then came down to school at SMU and been here ever since. Um, started my career in finance at Bank of America and also worked at KPMG. Mm -hmm. It was during that time that I went through what I call my, my quarter life crisis yeah. and started, started wondering, okay, you know, I'm, I'm working for... The, these large corporations that uh, have a lot of influence. Uh, they're also employ a lot of people are pushing a lot of capital around the world, but what's, what's my role to play? Like so many people in our generation just asking what's the impact of me working here. And uh, I, I was pretty far down the path of looking into doing something like joining the Peace Corps, which I think is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, I hope I hope anyone who's thinking about doing that continues to explore that. But a mentor of mine gave me some advice and kind of challenged me a bit and said, take some time and look at if there's anything that your background and the education that you were fortunate enough to have gotten, is there any problem that you're uniquely positioned to help solve? And that exercise of kind of answering that question pushed me down a path here in Dallas, which kind of opened my eyes up to a different side of the city. You know, I was graduated from SMU. I was living in Uptown, working at a bank and mm -hmm. uh, coming from Chicago, I was, I was also exploring opportunities to get back to Chicago. I'd become a little tired of Dallas, if you will. And going through that exercise of kind of exploring, you know, where my finance background intersects with the world of impact led me to mm -hmm. a really awesome community that I know you're a part of now, Andrew. And um, I think Dallas is such a unique city to be in when it comes to entrepreneurship yep. and even more specifically social entrepreneurship, because there's a lot of resources here. There's a lot of curiosity but there's not a lot of saturation in the market. And so you have, right. uh, you don't have as much infrastructure around social innovation as say San Francisco or New York City, yet there's a lot of the, the pieces here in the city with a huge concentration of Fortune 500 companies. You have, um, you know, up until uh, recently, a really strong and resilient economy and um, you have, it's home to some of the, the greatest academic research institutions, but you also have the negative side, which is there's a lot of uh, social issues that are unique to Dallas, uh, a city right. that's deeply rooted um, with, with a racist history. Uh, you also have uh, communities within a short drive that don't have access to clean water. Uh, you have childhood poverty rates that are some of the highest in the nation. And so you have this really unique dynamic of a city that on its surface should have all the resources to at least be working to solve these problems, but maybe don't necessarily have the right vehicles or systems in place to make that happen. And without yeah. getting too political, I know people may, uh, have thoughts on you know, how the current systems were built and all those things, but just taking a, a 30,000 foot view of, okay, how do we corral the resources of the city 
to solve some of these issues. And then what I believe to be as equally important is then how do we have the infrastructure to scale those solutions to other parts yeah. of the country and the world? So that's the stuff that gets me excited is kind of yeah. how, to, how to bring those resources together. And I think the role that I specifically play and the role that our team plays is kind of in that financial space. And so, you know, you give a, a great little high level good returns intro, which <laughs> I still struggle to do sometimes. Uh, yeah. But we, we really focus on how do we catalyze the financial systems and markets to mobilize more financial resources into the social sector in an effective and sustainable way. Yep. No, that, that's good. I, I appreciate that rundown, Kyle. So, you know, you mentioned a few things here I want to dive into, maybe just for level setting. Um, how would you describe social innovation to somebody who's maybe just now coming across it for the first time, or, you know, maybe they've heard the word before, the, the term before, but just don't fully uh, realize what it may mean. Sure. Uh, I would, I would say that it's a forward thinking process or new way of addressing a problem that's facing humanity. Uh, I try nice. to, yeah. as much as I can map to the UN sustainable development goals, uh, not that they're, they're perfect. Um, but I, I think it's important to map to something that maybe people have interacted with or have heard of, and they are an amazing governing body when it comes to identifying issues and pushing those out to different constituencies around the world and saying, these are the things that we, that we think are the, the most important things to be working on to solve today. And so social innovation, I try to craft the definition around those goals and say, yeah, it's a new way of solving those problems that they've identified. Yeah, I love it. I think I mean, the way I view it has always been just taking a different approach to solving those social problems that you're laying out. And I love, what I love about good returns is that Gosh, especially the very first time I heard you tell me about it, uh, I don't know, maybe two plus two or three years ago, um, my mind exploded. <laughs> I was like, I thought it was so cool. Um, if I can take a just a shot at describing this, and then I'll let you run with it. But essentially, Good Returns takes funds from corporations, from businesses, um, pulls them together, uh, sends them out to impact organizations in the form of microloans. Um, and perhaps the, the, the whole model's changed, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but those microloans go off uh, to uh, organizations in need. Um, they essentially use those dollars to um, solve problems in their local areas. And at the end of the cycle, uh, those, the, those funds return to you then um, those funds go in hand go back to those corporations. Now they've got a hell of a story to tell about major impacts and changes they help drive um, uh, throughout the world, throughout the community, and you guys help them share that story. Absolutely, I, I think um, you know I'll I'll throw in a couple tweaks there, but honestly, Andrew, that was that was pretty. Did I nail good. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's good because that's how I explain it to my friends. <laughs> good, good. And I, yeah. I think, you know, I'll, I think that's a, a great place to start. Um, I will say a lot of times, you know, people take a look at what we do and we instantly get lumped in with microfinancing, which isn't exactly true. Um, we have provided loans to organizations that are microfinance groups just because they can use short-term interest-free capital very effectively. And, and that's kind of how this model got started is we paired companies with microfinance groups and they provide a big loan. And then the microfinance group took that big loan and divided it up into small microloans to individuals, particularly women. Um, but the idea of good returns is there's an opportunity for companies to provide what we call impact loans 
to a variety of organizations across a variety of social cause areas. So um, I'll give another example. This past year, um, we worked with Oryx USA to provide a loan, interest-free loan to a group in South Dallas called Miles of Freedom. And they work with individuals coming out of prison, put them through a... um, an awesome re-entry program to give them skills and um, provide education around how to re-enter um, society and, you know, create a resume and um, acquire job skills and things like that. And during that program, um, they also wanted to provide opportunities to provide direct income to people going through that. And so they started a lawn care service and employed individuals going through the program uh, and and we gave them a loan through Good Returns to upgrade their equipment from residential grade to commercial grade, which made them eligible for city Very contracts. Nice. And they won those city contracts. So it was great because it, it created a whole new revenue source for them as a business, which then allowed them to hire more people and provide more income which that income enabled people going through the program to afford things like bus fare um, and transportation to get to and from the program. And so uh, that, that sustainable revenue source goes directly to the impact they're trying to create, but it also creates revenue for Miles of Freedom as an organization so that they can continue to provide their services with a lower reliance on grants and donations. Um, and, and I love it because I'm a, I'm a client of Miles of Freedom. So they actually come and mow my lawn and they do a fantastic job. Oh, nice. And it's a great way for people, especially here in Dallas, to go and support an amazing organization um, and, and, and get a great service in return. So I always tell people, if you want to go and support Miles of Freedom and you're willing and able to make a gift or a donation, that's fantastic. But also, if you have a lawn that needs to be taken care of, please consider hiring them um, because they do great work. And it's also going to a great cause as well. So those are the types of businesses that can be supported through Good Returns. And we act as that facilitator between companies and those organizations. And like you said, that story is such a beautiful story to tell. It is. Yeah, for everybody out there, uh, Miles of Freedom, you can check them out. Their website's milesoffreedom.org. And I had no idea um, yeah, that lawn care service was um, was something they offered. That's really good to know. Um, you need to check to see if they, they come out to my neck of the woods. <laughs> It'd be good. I'd love to support them with that. Um, um, I'm sure they do. If <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. You hope ask so. them, they'll get there. So, Kyle, take us back in time a little bit. You know, this innovative concept of good returns, you know, how did it come to be? You know, how, how did the idea get started? So I co-founded this with Sala Bukadum and Craig Tiratelli, who have been business partners for a long time. I don't okay. know the exact time frame, mm-hmm. um, but they built and sold a tech company back in their their younger days, and since then, um, have been really focused on creating social impact through business, and have built companies and done experiments. And I met Sala through a board of an organization called Chiapas International. We were both on the board at the same time. And he had already kind of put the groundwork together of good returns as a core concept of helping companies lend capital instead of just donate. And at the same time, I was exploring ways to, (laughs) this really shows where my priorities were at the time, but how to help uh, breweries take money and provide it as microloans. And I called it microbrewers for microfinance. Nice. And that was kind of my, my, a small, small version of, of what good returns would become. And we started meeting 
sort of on nights and weekends while I was still at KPMG and just going through, okay, here's how we think it would work. Where are the criticisms? Where does it come short? What are the benefits? And we started actually drafting, you know, a white paper to go through all of that and started doing it basically on the side of our normal jobs. And over time, it got enough legs where it, it was actually something that a business that someone could invest into. And um, we were fortunate enough to have some folks in Dallas that really believed in the concept and the idea and have been our biggest supporters um, and saw the vision of what we were trying to build and creating an entirely new way for companies to give back and support their communities. And so I, I left my career in finance and that was a little over five years ago to come and continue to build the infrastructure around good returns right. so that it could scale. And um, we've been working together on it ever since. That's great. So then I remember you telling me one of the first example opportunities or projects you guys took on was with, uh, with something called Soap Hope. Is that right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> tell, tell us a bit about that. So that, um, I'd probably tell the story a little bit differently than Craig and Sala would. They are, they founded it. And the way that I tell the story is that Soap Hope was built to sort of prove the good returns model. So could a company yeah. lend, in the case of Soap Hope, 100% of its profit to create impact and still be a for-profit business. You know, if they were going to donate mm -hmm. 100% of the profits, you might as well just be a nonprofit. Um, and so this idea of lending instead could really build a successful company. And would there be customer loyalty uh, high enough to enable it to kind of sustain that one-year delay on its profits through the Good Returns program? Mm -hmm. So... That started and through the, the years took on a life of its own with its whole staff, operations, marketing team, all of that. And um, I don't think it's been publicly announced yet, but it's been done. Um, and just this past uh, several months, it's kind of grown to a point that us as a team, especially with a focus on, on good returns and some of the other initiatives that we have, we didn't think that we were the best people to bring it to that next stage. And we saw an opportunity for Soap Hope uh, that has customers all around the country, sells over 4,000 different products, uh, natural products and home care products that yeah. it could be, it could be used for even more impact than just creating financial profits and investing those profits into women's empowerment programs. And so we just finished, um, uh, finalizing a partnership with My Possibilities, where they're actually going to be using it as a workforce uh, development business for their hipster community, um, people with uh, disabilities. And so yeah. they're, we're building every aspect of the business so that it can be done by their hipsters, everything from packing, um, hopefully all the way up to the marketing and finance functions of the business as well. So that even just by putting orders out the door, it's, it's having an impact here in North Texas. And that's awesome. And just for clarification, because I heard hipster and I pictured like an annoying millennial. <laughs> no, um, I know. And no, it's, I know it's not. Mm -hmm. um, hipster, that, that's what my possibilities calls there. Um, I guess, is it students? Is it uh, kind of their target audience there, right? Yes. So um, even their, their, what they would consider to be their, their clients of the people that they there serve. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it stands for hugely important people. So the hip Love it. and then stir. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's correct. And Michael Thomas, their executive director, I'm sure if that's wrong, he'll correct me for, for next time. But they're, they're <laughs> well, an amazing I, yeah. organization and doing, again, some really interesting stuff around social innovation. And Michael Thomas has done a great mm -hmm. job leading that organization. They're looking for ways to build more sustainability 
into their programs, not because they um, don't have a need for grant or don't want to have a need for grants or donations, but they really want to start building programs that can scale across the country and around the world. And um, I hope this kind of comes across in all the conversations that I'm having, including this podcast. But as a team, yeah. we really do believe that having um, business based approaches to some of these issues is crucial to allowing these programs to scale because without it going to these different communities, you have to find an entirely new um, granting source or, you know, other capital source. Whereas for a business, you know, as you're generating profits, you can reinvest those profits into scale. And for uh, an organization that doesn't have that profit component or doesn't have that sustainable revenue component, um, it's really difficult to grow in an effective way. Yep. Yeah, it's good that we clarify. I could imagine uh, our boomer listeners <laughs> saying, like, why do hipsters need help out there? Well, I'm so sure they, they know the answer to that question. Too, <laughs> which is, That's true, yeah. They have some strong opinion. They're like, you know, it's about time someone's helping <laughs> these, these poor kids out there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, good point. Okay, so then if I know you guys have kind of you've gone through the soap hope model. Um, it was well publicized here um, in Dallas, the partnership you guys had um, are working through with Oryx. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to hear kind of what that process is like, you know, walk us through it, because perhaps there's some uh, business uh, businesses, corporations, you know, listening to the show that would like to get involved in this. Absolutely. So, you know, kind of just tying a bow on that soap hope piece. So after several years of, of running what we call a cycle, which is really the good returns model of helping corporations lend, we ran several cycles from soap hope into uh, impact organizations, not just here in Texas, but also around the world. We had groups in the Dominican Republic and India that we lent capital to interest free and they use that capital to sustainably empower women in underserved communities. And then that capital came back. And so we had this, these great test cases, granted they were small capital amounts, you know, ranging from 10 to $50,000 each. Um, and so it wasn't a super amounts of capital, but it at least proved out the concept. Right. And we felt that that was good enough to bring this to a larger company. And we were looking for the right partner to have in that, that process. And we sat down with Oryx and saw instantly that there was, there was not just an appetite, but a, a shared value in this mm -hmm. concept of financial innovation. And so as a, Oryx USA and then their foundation, the Oryx Foundation, were looking for ways to deploy capital in an innovative way to create impact throughout Dallas and its communities around the country. They have offices in New York and Seattle um, and had even bought a company down in Brazil. So they had you know, a huge presence throughout the Americas and yeah. they wanted to do things differently. And so when we brought to the table, hey, there's an opportunity to... Uh, deploy more of your resources in a sustainable way, they were very intrigued. And we worked with them to grow good returns into what it is today. And one of the, the big pieces that they helped us uncover and really motivated us to create is the financial guarantee fund that mm -hmm. we built. So when, when Oryx was looking at this, we all kind of came to an agreement that we don't want good returns to be a replacement for current corporate philanthropy. You yeah. know, just turning grant dollars into loan dollars is, is not our goal as an organization. And it wasn't something that, that Oryx was interested in as well, but they had cash reserves that kind of had to sit there um, or be invested in very low risk um, investments. And they said, we would love to see if we could possibly use that as a um, impact loan, interest-free. But in order to do that, we need to have security that the funds will actually return. 
And, you know, we, we trust that you're doing the underwriting on these organizations and, and all of that, but it's still not enough. And we would, we would really need some additional security. And so we went out and, and built an awesome partnership with a group here in Dallas called Inverdale Capital Management to structure a fund that is backed by foundations and impact investors that put capital into the fund. It's invested into the market based on a, a predetermined strategy, but that investment is also used as collateral to guarantee the loans. So if an organization ever were to default, then a corresponding grant is made out of that fund um, and can make the company whole so that all the principles return to the company. So it takes all the risk off the table for the corporation and enables them to use capital that they otherwise wouldn't be able to use. And so, you know, I kind of say this as a quick story, but as you can imagine, it took a long time to build a lot of this infrastructure and get the legal agreements and the fund structured and capitalized and all that. So it, it was a long process, but once it was built, that infrastructure is permanent. Um, and it's something that we have going today and it, uh, we're continually adding uh, capabilities into that guarantee fund and exploring how that guarantee fund can be used for other purposes as well. But um, that is what really kind of birthed the initial cycle with Oryx. And then as I mentioned briefly earlier, that enabled them to do a pilot with us last year of about a quarter million dollars to impact organizations here in Dallas. Um, we supported an organization working with veterans, another organization focused on women's empowerment. And then, as I mentioned, Models of Freedom, um, working with the formerly incarcerated. So uh, it was by all stretches a, a very successful pilot and i'm happy to report that just a few months ago all those loans were repaid on time and in full um, and that money was returned to to oryx so uh that was wonderful we had this these amazing results and outside of just the financial performance of everything you know the impact was um was very impressive as well and we believe that this is the type of model that's really needed to mobilize some of these previously inaccessible financial resources into the impact space. And, and we also feel that by building this model, you might be able to encourage social entrepreneurs to think more creatively in their business models because they know that there will be capital available to help them grow in a sustainable way. No, that's so cool. I love it. Um, I can't wait to hear you know what comes next uh, for you guys because I know it's something that I think is such a, a novel um, concept, such a great uh, innovative new way to utilize funds to do good. Mm -hmm. And it impacts so many different organizations in such a positive way, you know. Um, so I know I'll keep rooting for you guys as always. I'll keep spreading the good word on good returns. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, like if a company just wants to reach out and get started, what's the first thing they need to do? Just chat with yourself or, or Sala? Yeah, I would, I would reach out to me. Uh, my email is pretty simple. It's just Kyle at goodreturns.org. And, you know, we have a lot of the information up on our site as well. And uh, the interesting thing just about kind of how we're structured, I mean, yes, we are, uh, a business and we provide this service to right. corporations and companies, but we really, um, we really frame ourselves around the idea of innovating new ways for capital to be used for good. And so there's a lot of different folks that we want to talk to. Mm -hmm. And that includes impact investors. And we're, we're, like I said, exploring new ways to use our guarantee fund to do stuff outside of our cycle program. So finding ways to, uh, we're actually working with a bank to uncover a way that they can use the guarantee fund to provide well below market rate lines of credit um, to sustainable businesses, uh, impact organizations and sustainable nonprofits. Mm -hmm. uh, around the state of Texas. And so 
we also want people to be involved in these conversations. Yes, you know, provide resources and, and bring those to the table, but also as thought partners and things like that. And so um, I do want to talk to companies if this if they're interested in a cycle program and, and figure out ways to mobilize capital. But I also want to talk to foundations and impact investors and, and people that yeah. are really interested in doing things differently and asking some questions and experimenting and taking risks. So those are, that's my tribe. Those are my people. And, and <laughs> I love right. to have conversations like that. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. So um, I do want to make sure we talk through um, social venture partners. Yes. And I can't thank you enough for telling me about it. It's like one of those um, moments that for better or worse, I've, I've never been able to, uh, forget, you know, it's just, um, I remember us being at just at the, the rooftop, uh, bar area over at happiest hour. And I was telling you what I was trying to do, which was, Hey, I want louder code to do more uh, pro bono services for nonprofits. And, you were just like, have you ever heard of social venture partners? <laughs> like, no. And you, you, uh, you know, you were like, um, yeah, they do basically what you just described. <laughs> and so, you know, you made the introduction for me to, to Tony Fleo. We met and then the uh, rest is history. But well, uh, so, yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate that. No, you do not need to thank me. I need to thank you because you've made me look so good in <laughs> social venture partners. <laughs> I, uh, you have just been amazing, um, as a board member, um, as a partner and, you know, I, I'm just riding your coattails because you just came in and just did some awesome stuff. And I got to be the guy that pointed at you and said, Oh yeah, I introduced him to Tony <laughs> and awesome. I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm still cashing that check in with Tony every time I see him. So should, no, thank up. you. <laughs> Thank you for all you do. But um, I mean, you said it, it's, uh, it's a great organization here in Dallas. I kind of, uh, in, in certain ways, it's a social uh, epicenter of Dallas. And Tony does a great job leading the organization. You know, I, also Sean's leadership in SVP is, is tremendous. And then you know, folks like you that come in and just bring a unique set of skills and more than just res financial resources, but the time and the expertise and coming in and saying, you know, the issues that our city right. faces and our country faces require more than just money. We can't solve all these problems with just money. We need to right. have a, a deeper look and we need to help nonprofits uh, with capacity and volunteerism and there's a lot that business leaders and civic leaders can offer as far as intellectual capacity with those organizations. Right. So um, I love SVP and, you know, shameless plug for anyone that's under the age of 30 uh, should definitely check out the uh, Dana Jewett residency program. I think the applications open up in the summer. So that's, uh, I had the good plug the the privilege of going through that program and it's uh it's a fantastic group of individuals that go through it but it's also run really well like everything that yeah. SVP does so <laughs> throwing it's that like, out there uh, it's basically what like uh i don't know how many times they meet up but it's a cohort of a group of yeah folks under 30 there's an application process and then mm -hmm. They go through just um, course after course, experience after experience of, you know, just learning what philanthropy is and what social innovations and you know, impact investing, you know, what, what all that is, right? Yeah, they do a great job of bringing different constituencies throughout the city. So, you know, each month has a different theme. One month will be how does philanthropy intersect with business? The next month will be how does it intersect with government? The next month will be how does it intersect with academic institutions? And so you get a, it, what I really love about it is for the next generation of quote unquote philanthropists, they're getting the sense of how interconnected the city can be mm -hmm. around that philanthropy shouldn't be siloed and that you know, making a difference really requires input from all these different areas. 
Um, yeah. And so I, I love that that's a focus of the program. And I love that they bring individuals into the cohort from a variety of backgrounds. And they're really intentional about bringing different perspectives in because I think that's also really important in the impact space is far too often the people most impacted by the issues are not able to be a part of the solutions. And I, I think- Isn't that crazy? These, it is. It's, uh, it's actually insane, but- Yeah, it really I, is. I think programs like this really open up the, the eyes of people to when you're going out to solve a problem, make sure that you're empowering the right people to really yeah. create the solution and, and know what role you have to play. Yeah. And they can do it in a, a sustainable manner, right? Cause I mean, mm -hmm. the worst thing that could happen, yes, you, you, you put your dollars into it, but if those aren't, if those dollars aren't going toward, you know, focusing on the mission, on the cause, on the impact that you were intending it to uh, with the, let's say the amount of um, capacity or efficiency that you you think uh, deserves it's that kind of attention, then it's it's really just wasting a ton of time, ton of resources, dollars, et cetera, right? I mean, huge waste all around and the, the impact that it could be making instead you know, becomes a, a loss. You're absolutely right, Andrew. There you have it. So then, uh, <laughs> Kyle, let's move into the lightning round. Yes. The lightning round, I'll, we're going to dig into a little bit more on the personal side of things. Um, some of these may be quick answers, some maybe not. We can dive deeper into them. But but nonetheless, I thought it, it deserved its own name, the lightning round. Well, I hope you've but, realized uh, by now that I don't have any quick answers. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll do our best here. Okay, so let's start off with this, okay? If you could go back and just... You know, tell your younger self something. What What do you wish you had known when you started on your career, on your journey, on your path here? If you could go back and tell yourself something, what, what do you think that would be? Ooh, I would say the importance of relationships. Yes. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Man, could I could go. The shortest I like answer I you've on. given. I know. I know. Such restraint. Yeah, I'm gonna Ooh. show it. I'm gonna show it. <laughs> okay, I'm with you there though. I uh, I remember. Yeah, I, I too uh, grew up at KPMG, mm. and yeah, there are times where yeah, people would always say, "Oh, the relationships are what matters," and this and that. And as a young idiot, um, I would kind of roll my eyes at that, right? And I didn't really know what that meant. And uh, I think you know, looking back on it, yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, Okay, who or what has influenced you? Oh, I mean, <laughs> coming off the back of that previous answer, I mean, <laughs> I could go, go on for days. I mean, I, I already yeah. um, talked a little bit about my, my father and his career decisions and my mentor who encouraged me to look at a problem differently. Um, and then I, I could talk for days about Sala and Craig and one of the pieces of relationships, I don't know how entrepreneurs make it without strong partnerships. And mm -hmm. um, I just have a deep gratitude and respect and love for, for both those guys. Um, so I could talk about that. I could also talk about, you know, m my wife and my partner and how oh, supportive yeah. she's been in the process. Um, and those are deeply influential. Um but, you know, if I'm being deeply honest in all of this, after saying all of that, um, yeah. I've been trying to be intentional about this, in the last, especially in the last couple of years, is just my faith. You know, that's a huge mm -hmm. component um, for my life and my journey. And uh, the, the church that I'm able to be a part of down here in Oak Cliff, St. Jude Oak Cliff, has been such a blessing and that relationship uh that i have with the church um but also with my lord is is something go. that i'm constantly growing in and it 
is something that I, I would like to believe is at the core of every decision that I make. Um, unfortunately, the truth is not that case, but um, it's something we're that human I, after all, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But you know, that's something that I'm I'm constantly striving to improve in, and uh, I say improve like <laughs> like you can get better at it, but yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Is, yeah. you know, faith is just a, a core component of, of my life and the relationships that I have. And so I think that's today the biggest influence. And I hope it remains the biggest influence. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I don't believe in, in the shows that we've done to this point, I don't believe it's, uh, you know, the, the God has, has been that or the Lord mm. has been that. So it's, uh, you, you've bridged a new gap here. Okay. You bring well, that hey, up. I'm, yeah. Congratulations. I'm happy to do that. And you know, I'll like I'll throw this out there too because, again, I know this is like the slowest lightning round of all time. <laughs> but um, you know, I was this year, this past summer, I had a, a just an amazing opportunity to go to Israel uh, with a group called Reality, um, and they take mm-hmm. cohorts every year of young professionals to go to Israel and be in this journey for eight days. Um, and my, my track was impact. So it was people from all over the world that were kind of in the impact space and it's a group of people with all different faith backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds from all over the world. Um, and I just got to have these amazing conversations with, um, you know, Muslim people, Jewish people, Christian people, Hindu people, and we're in kind of Jerusalem, which has so many different meanings to so many different faith backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just got to have yeah. these honest conversations about like how faith influences journeys. And it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a conversation like you're right and I'm or you're wrong and I'm right type of thing. It mm-hmm. was just like a deep respect of that person and how that's influenced their journey. And you know it kind of opened my eyes up to this idea that you can have this mutual respect and that faith, if that's important to you, should be something that you're able to converse about and talk about. Um, And sometimes I think in the entrepreneurship space or the business space, it kind of gets covered up a little bit. I don't know why that is, but I'm guilty of it all the time. And so I'm I'm trying to be more transparent, I guess. In the way that I, I talk about it, I'd say it's a fear of um, I don't know, maybe being too open, or maybe mm-hmm. it's vulnerability, maybe. Yeah. Or, or even yeah. just a fear of uh, provide making somebody feel discomfort. You know, if maybe they're not, uh, they don't share in your beliefs, right? Yeah, yeah, and I I agree with you there. I think that's one of the hesitation, and that's why I think it's important to have kind of a very um, understanding perspective when you're talking about your own faith that the person across mm-hmm. the table may have radically different views right and and that's okay it, it doesn't change the relationship that you should have with that person mm-hmm. yeah good point and I'll, I'll, I know I'm <laughs> expanding on this um, I, I'll share a personal story because I I'm part of a, a Vistage group and shout out to my Vistage chair, Mike Richards. He's such a badass. But, you know, I had a one-on-one meeting with him um, just yesterday. And I can't tell you how much he just calmed my nerves by reminding mm-hmm. me that, hey, a lot of this is in God's hands, right? It's God's will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just having him remind me of that was just so powerful. Yeah, because absolutely. I felt myself just take this sigh of relief. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's a fresh reminder. No, I think you bring up something really valuable that I think entrepreneurs um, really should be reminded of. It could drive it drives values, decisions, you know, um, and just like I just shared, it's like that the fear of the unknown, right? You kind of put it in somebody else's hands. But, yeah, uh, really no, cool, man. Appreciate that. That's true. All right, so. I believe I could be off on this, but you're you're a big coffee drinker, right? Uh, I go through stages. Actually, I oh, never okay. used to be one in the last like year or so. I've sort of taken it up. I wouldn't say like huge, 
coffee drinker, but yeah, okay. I do drink it every day. Yeah, have you so. mistaken? Okay, well, every day it's enough. What's yeah, your coffee I, of choice? Oh man, um, I'm you know, like coffee shop, or are you talking about like a brand of coffee? Let's do both. We could do either. Yeah. Oh man, I don't even know if I have a an answer on the brand side. Um, People well, usually guess, will answer like a, they'll rattle off like their Starbucks order or oh yeah you know maybe it's a nobody has said a, a warm cup of Folgers in the morning. <laughs> uh, the best part of waking up Folgers <laughs> in your cup. You go. uh, yeah, I I guess I would say um, I, I love the coffee shops over in in Oak Cliff, and I could rattle off a bunch of those. Davis Street Espresso is fantastic um if you're looking for like kind of a one-stop shop of places to go obviously not right now uh but in the future when everything settles down wild detectives is a great little spot um but our little neighborhood spot down here in south oak cliff called peaberry coffee uh, they mm-hmm. do oak cliff roasting mm-hmm. and it's fantastic i really love that place mm-hmm. the people and I think I'm more just into the idea of being a coffee drinker than the actual <laughs> drinking yeah. of the coffee. Like if I can just work every day, you know, from a coffee shop with some acoustic music in there the background go. and like rain outside, that just, I like the idea of that. Yeah. And so oh, if yeah, that requires me good. to drink coffee, <laughs> then I'll do that it. Um, but I don't really have like a, a favorite brand, I guess, when it comes to brewing my own coffee or, and a Starbucks order, you know, I usually just get normal drip coffee. Okay. Go there. So I'm kind of boring when it comes to that. No, that's okay. Hey, we've all got our preferences. <laughs> How about um, adult drink of choice? Ooh. I'm going to – so I'm definitely going to be in the whiskey ballpark for sure. Nice. Um, if you'll let me get super specific. There <laughs> is a – it's a Texas-based distillery called Oak and Eden. And I've been drinking. That's kind of what I'm drinking right mm. now. And they take, a, they cut out kind of a corkscrew of each barrel. And they put it in the whiskey, like in the bottle. And it kind of helps create a deeper taste. So like when you pick up the bottle, you can see the little piece of wood in it. I mean, it stays in there forever. So wow, uh, and they have different flavors of barrels. So I'm I'm drinking a toasted oak one right now, okay. and it's pretty fantastic. So, like um, literally right now? No, no, not right now. <laughs> uh, oh man, I know. Sorry, but in you know when when it's time to have a glass, that's right. what I will be pouring. Okay, 